Hello friends, welcome. Welcome to the 10th installment of our special series called Momentum, which is about ordinary Americans and the struggle for freedom during the civil rights era. Just a small content warning, the story does discuss some historically accurate topics that might be hard to hear about. And if you have small children, you may want to listen with your headphones. I'm Sharon McMahon. And welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you ask any school child studying civil rights, they will bring up Rosa Parks. She's often heralded as the mother of the civil rights movement, and in many ways that credit is deserved. But the popular narrative of Rosa Parks being a tired seamstress who just wanted to rest her feet on that bus in Birmingham, Alabama, the notion that the only thing keeping her from moving seats in December of 1955 was exhaustion, none of that is true. And Rosa wasn't the first woman to refuse to move, to refuse to obey the authority of bus drivers. Before there was Rosa Parks, there was Lucille Times. And before there was Lucille Times, there was Claudette Colvin. Before Rosa Parks, there was Aurelia Browder and Susie McDonald and Mary Louise Smith. Rosa Parks was undoubtedly important, but she wasn't the first. Nine months before Rosa Parks refused to move to the back of the bus, 15-year-old Claudette Colvin refused to get up and stand in the back of a busy Montgomery, Alabama bus. 
When the bus driver yelled at her to give up her seat to white passengers had boarded, she said, History kept me stuck to my seat. I felt the hand of Harriet Tubman pushing down on one shoulder and Sojourner Truth pushing down on the other. In 1955, Birmingham, Alabama, bus drivers had police power. That power was often wielded in racist and violent ways. Claudette was handcuffed and put in the back of a police car. She said the police made lewd comments about her body. And when a police officer insisted on riding in the back seat with her, she said she was afraid that she would be sexually assaulted. Claudette aspired to be the president of the United States one day. But instead, she was charged and convicted of three crimes, disturbing the peace, violating segregation laws, and assaulting police officers. Colvin said she never assaulted any police officers, but she became a ward of the state and was sentenced to home confinement after her conviction. She said she was ostracized by the NAACP and other civil rights leaders in Montgomery because she was viewed as tainted, a convicted criminal. Months later, she said they would come crawling back. Lucille Times was a proud cafe owner and had recently acquired a new white Buick car. In 1955, she was driving to the dry cleaners when a white bus driver tried to run her off the road. And when he was unsuccessful, he tried twice more. Eventually, Lucille pulled off the road and got out of her car, and the bus driver got out of the bus, and he yelled expletives and racial slurs at her. She yelled back at him, and they got into a physical altercation. Lucille bit the bus driver's arm, and then she felt a blow to her neck. She looked up and saw a police officer's metal flashlight. And the police officer told her that she was lucky she was a woman or her head would be jelly. Lucille was not known for being mild-mannered. People who knew her personally described her as being an iron fist inside of a velvet glove. And this altercation with the bus driver didn't intimidate her. It emboldened her. She wrote letters to newspapers who refused to print her pleas for change in the Montgomery bus system. She described the incident to everyone who would listen, including making three phone calls to the bus department manager who never called her back. She began advocating for a boycott of the Montgomery bus system. But other civil rights leaders said it wasn't the right time and she wasn't the right person. Lucille Times decided to take matters into her own hands. Instead of waiting for other people to tell her the time was right or to approve of her face as the face of the movement they wanted to create, Lucille began driving around Montgomery in her white Buick, particularly during rush hour. And when she would see Black people waiting for a bus, she would pull over and offer them rides, sometimes pulling over immediately in front of a stopped bus. She wanted the drivers to see that she was taking their business. Rides with Lucille were free, but Lucille and her husband Charlie started a tip jar at their cafe where they accepted donations to pay for gas. Lucille and Charlie Times later organized a phone line at their cafe where people could call to arrange for rides. 
In 2017, Lucille gave an interview and said, you've got to fight. You don't get nothing for free. I've been a fighter all my days. Her nephew said of her that she was loaded for bear. She would not back down for anything, and she was always full steam ahead. Aurelia Browder was a widow caring for six children. She was a nurse midwife, a seamstress, and she taught lessons to make ends meet. She tutored people who were trying to pass literacy tests to be able to vote. She, too, was arrested for refusing to give up her seat on a bus almost eight months before Rosa Parks. Susie McDonald was in her 70s when she was arrested for refusing to give up her seat on the bus. Susie was white passing, but she made a point of correcting people who assumed she was white. She and her husband owned a farm that they were likely only able to acquire because the people selling the property believed the couple was white. Also before Rosa Parks was 18-year-old Mary Louise Smith. Smith was arrested six weeks before Rosa Parks for refusing to give up her seat. The year was 1955, and Brown versus the Board of Education was decided by the Supreme Court in 1954. And they issued their opinion in Brown versus the Board of Education too, earlier that year. Some leaders of the civil rights movement believed this was their moment. This was the chance to build momentum. A boycott of Montgomery, Alabama buses had been discussed for months. But leaders were afraid that the wrong person, someone whose background was questionable in some way, would stall their efforts if they became the face of the movement. Which is one of the reasons Rosa Parks was chosen. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress in our life. Absolutely. It's unavoidable. It's just part of the human experience. But some of us have more than others, and some of us handle it better than others. Some of us really keep it bottled up, and it can start to affect us negatively. I would imagine at some point in your life, you can relate to this, right? And therapy is a safe space to be able to get some of these things off your chest. And that is why so many people find benefit in speaking to a qualified professional. If you're thinking about starting therapy for something like managing your stress, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Sharon today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Sharon. In the words of Dwight Schrute, identity theft is not a joke, Jim. But seriously, have you ever had somebody try to steal your credit card number? 
and then try to make a bunch of fraudulent charges. That has happened to me on more than one occasion. If it's happened to you, you know it's a nightmare. Having your personal information on the internet is like giving strangers the key to your front door. Not good. And delete me can keep that door locked and your information safe. And I recently found a solution that is a service called Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information that you don't want online, and they make sure that it stays off. It is a subscription service that finds your personal info on the web, searches all the databases, and then helps prevent identity theft by removing that information from all of these databases. So when you sign up, you tell Delete Me exactly what information you want deleted, and then their experts take it from there. They send you a report every month of like, we found your information in the following places and we removed it. More simply, Delete Me does all the hard work of wiping you and your family's personal info off the web. So take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me now at a special discount just for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash Sharon and use promo code Sharon at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash Sharon and use code Sharon at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash Sharon, promo code Sharon. Rosa didn't just decide one day not to give up her seat. She was a civil rights activist for years. She led NAACP meetings. She attended trainings. Rosa was middle class. She had a a pleasant demeanor. She wasn't viewed by other people as overly abrasive. She was the right candidate. And she did rise to the moment. She had the courage to purposely be arrested and to forever have her name attached to something that could and did endanger her safety. But she wasn't the first. And she did it work alone. On December 1st, 1955, a seemingly mild-mannered seamstress named Rosa Louise Macaulay Parks refused to give up her seat to a white man. She was arrested and was famously photographed after being taken to the police station. She said, people always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. But that wasn't true. I was not tired physically or no more tired than I usually was at the end of a working day. No, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. Joanne Robinson was the youngest of 12 children and she became a teacher. She eventually earned a master's degree and had a job teaching at Alabama State. She was a member of the Women's Political Council, which was a political activism group for black women. Joanne Robinson was also highly influential in the civil rights movement, but she did it in such a way that she drew little attention to herself. She feared that she would lose her job at Alabama State, and consequently few people have heard of her. She was so influential that Martin Luther King Jr. mentioned her by name in his memoir. He said, apparently indefatigable, she perhaps more than any other person was involved in every level of protest. The night Rosa Parks was arrested, Joanne stayed up all night 
at Alabama State mimeographing 35,000 leaflets. If you're not familiar with a mimeograph machine, it is a precursor to a copy machine, and you make copies by rotating a handle. So to make 35,000 leaflets meant she couldn't just press a button and come back later when copies were done. She literally had to stay up all night rotating a handle. She sent messages to students to come pick up the leaflets in the morning and begin passing them out. And the leaflets said, This is for Monday, December 5th, 1955. Another Negro woman has been arrested and thrown into jail because she refused to get up out of her seat on the bus for a white person to sit down. Negroes have rights too. And if we do not do something to stop these arrests, they will continue. Next time, it may be you or your daughter or mother. After staying up all night, Joanne drove more leaflets all over the city to spread the word far and wide. And by the end of the day, Friday, December 2nd, nearly the entire Black community of Montgomery had agreed to a plan. The plan was cemented by Black religious leaders from the pulpit on Sunday, that the next day, Monday, December 5th, as many Black people as were able would not take the bus. They would instead walk ride bikes, call in sick, and organize carpools. Now remember that African Americans made up 70% of bus ridership, so this was going to dramatically impact the bottom line of the bus company. The community agreed to reconvene Monday evening after a one-day boycott to see how it went and if they should continue. More than 50 thousand people participated. Their absence was noticeable. When Rosa Parks stepped on that bus on Thursday, December 1st, she recognized the driver. He was the driver who, years before, had stolen her money. Bus drivers could, if they wanted to, require Black patrons to enter the front doors of the bus, deposit their fare, walk back off of the bus, and enter through the back doors to take their seat. This driver took her fare, told her to board via the back doors, but then closed the doors and drove away without allowing her to board, taking her money and leaving her without a ride. Rosa didn't forget. And the driver? His name was James F. Blake. He was also the same driver who tried to run Lucille Times off the road. Years later in the 1980s, the Washington Post tracked James F. Blake down and went to his house. He told the reporter that he was just doing his job when he had Rosa arrested, and I was hoping for a redemption story. I was hoping to hear that he was sorry, that he realized that he was wrong. But very quickly after his conversation with the Washington Post reporter began, he started using the N-word. And here's something else that history books have failed to mention about Rosa Louise Macaulay Parks. She was a rape investigator. And further, the Montgomery bus boycott was about far more than integrating buses. It was about far more than voting rights. In fact, one of the major catalysts for the modern civil rights movement was women. In particular, it was violence against Black women at the hands of white men. 
A woman named Recy Taylor was one of the catalysts for the modern civil rights movement. Recy was a married mother walking home from a church event when a car of seven white men pulled over and forced her into their vehicle. They drove off into the woods and six of them raped her. One of them didn't participate in the rape because he said that he knew her. They then dropped Reese off blindfolded on the side of the highway, and her husband and the sheriff were out looking for her. She told them what happened. This was in a small town in Alabama called Abbeville. There was only one car that matched the description of the vehicle of her kidnappers. And the sheriff knew who it belonged to. The day after the rape, Reese Taylor's house was firebombed. Two all-white grand juries refused to charge any of the six men with a crime. The NAACP sent their best investigator, Rosa Parks. She went to Abbeville to get to the bottom of things, and this led to two months of protests. If you think about modern-day protests, we often think about them taking a couple of hours, like we're going to have a protest this afternoon from 2 to 4. These protests lasted months. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You would be mistaken if you believed that Black women did not speak up. You'd be mistaken if you thought that Black women did not risk their personal safety to try and get justice. You'd be mistaken if you thought these facts we're never going to see the light of day again. What's done in darkness will always come to light. Seeds of resistance, seeds of momentum were planted not just in the hearts of men and women all over the South. They were planted in the hearts of their children and their relatives. In 2011, the Alabama legislature formally apologized for never prosecuting anyone for Reese Taylor's rape. A few years later, Gertrude Perkins was walking home from the bus stop when she was abducted by two white police officers. 
they forced her into the back of a squad car and raped her at gunpoint. She went immediately to her minister, who carefully wrote down her story and contacted authorities. Neither of the officers were ever prosecuted because doing so would, quote, violate their constitutional rights, Gertrude was told. Again, enter Rosa Parks. She helped organize more months of protests, demanding accountability for the officers. The seeds that were planted by Reese Taylor and nurtured by Rosa Parks and watered by Gertrude Perkins were now fields of resistance and momentum. So no, Rosa was not just a tired seamstress who did not want to give up her seat after a long day of work one day in December 1955. Rosa was one of many, one of thousands of Black women and men who organized and resisted and planned and did not give up. The one-day bus boycott was so successful that the leaders agreed to make it last longer. And within a few days, they had organized the MIA, the Montgomery Improvement Association, with Martin Luther King Jr. playing a prominent role. Schedules of ride shares were created. Organizers asked cab drivers to charge Black residents the same fare as the bus, which was 10 cents. And cab drivers agreed. Within a few days, the city of Montgomery passed an ordinance saying that cab drivers had to charge no less than 45 cents, and any driver who didn't comply would be fined. The MIA held meetings with city leaders, and the city refused their demands. So the boycott continued. Because 70% of the city's bus riders were black, the city urgently doubled fares to try to make up for the lost revenue and to try to keep the bus system open. People participating in ride-sharing were constantly harassed and ticketed, trying to dissuade them from continuing. And black people with cars, like Martin Luther King, were arrested. Some were jailed based on the assumption that they were all involved in the boycott and that it violated city rules. The boycott was just getting started. And at the end of January of 1956, Martin Luther King Jr.'s home was bombed. He wasn't home at the time. And fortunately, the rest of his family wasn't injured. And as the calendar flipped to February 1956, attorney Fred Gray had been hard at work on a federal lawsuit. Fred Gray filed a lawsuit contesting Montgomery's policies of racial segregation on buses. And the plaintiffs in his lawsuit? Claudette Colvin, Aurelia Browder, Mary Louise Smith, and Susie McDonald. Claudette was now 16 and pregnant with the baby of a much older man. She felt like civil rights leaders had abandoned her, but they came back when they needed additional plaintiffs for their case. Because she was pregnant, they didn't want the fact that she wasn't married to be a factor in the lawsuit, so she was never the face of the case, even though she was a party to it. They decided that Susie McDonald was too elderly they decided that Mary Louise Smith's father was an alcoholic, so she remained party to the lawsuit, but she wasn't the face of it. They didn't want character assassination to get in the way of their case. 
That left 37-year-old Aurelia Browder. A widowed mother of six was exactly who they needed, someone who worked three jobs to be there for her kids and relied on the bus to do so. Another woman, Janetta Reese, was originally party to Fred Gray's lawsuit, but dropped out after one day because of the number of death threats she received. The case, Browder versus Gale, is an often overlooked civil rights case. William Gale was the mayor of Montgomery, Alabama, and Browder refers to Aurelia Browder. As federal lawsuits often do, the case took months to get a resolution. And in the meantime, 11,000 white people showed up at a rally in support of bus segregation. They wanted to keep the buses segregated. A grand jury indicted 89 of the organizers of the bus boycott with crimes. After the 89 people were charged with crimes, only one ended up being prosecuted, Martin Luther King. We'll talk more about his prosecution in the next episode. But in June of 1956, the Montgomery bus boycott was still going on. Take a moment to think about how willing you would be to commit to doing something that was a significant inconvenience to you for many months. Most people fail at New Year's resolutions within a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Refusing to take the bus, boycotting the bus was a major commitment. Finally, the court came back. The federal court said that bus segregation violated the Constitution, and the city of Montgomery immediately appealed. Eventually, the United States Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. And in November of 1956, the Supreme Court released their opinion. Segregation of Montgomery's buses was unconstitutional. The headline of the Alabama Journal read, Bus Segregation is Knocked Out. Birmingham Mayor William Gale, whose nickname was Tacky, that was actually his nickname, refused to do anything about it. He made no moves to desegregate the buses. And so in December of 1956, federal marshals handed Mayor Gale a notice. Desegregate now. On December 28th, 1956, the bus boycott ended. After nearly 13 months of refusing to ride the bus, Black riders returned. After the prolonged, significant, and collective effort, the concerted desire to create change, ordinary Americans were successful. Their plan had worked. Except snipers began firing on integrated buses. On the day they were fully integrated, a woman who was eight months pregnant was shot in both of her legs. Four churches and the homes of two ministers were firebombed. All of them had openly supported the integration of buses. Reverend Ralph Abernathy, whose church and home were both firebombed, announced, Despite the wreckage and the broken windows, we will gather as usual at our church and offer special prayers for those who would desecrate the house of God. 
Two white KKK members were indicted for the bombings. They confessed to doing it. An all-white jury acquitted them anyway. The boycott was over, but the civil rights movement was just getting started. Rosa Parks had to move away because of death threats and the fact that she couldn't find work. In 2019, Montgomery unveiled a new statue of Rosa, along with markers for Claudette Colvin, Aurelia Browder, Susie McDonald, and Mary Louise Smith, women who, along with Joanne Robinson and Lucille Times, Reese Taylor, Gertrude Perkins, and thousands of others, sat down so that we can stand up. Lucille Times lived to be 100. She died from COVID in 2021. Also in 2021, Claudette Colvin, the 15-year-old who refused to give up her seat, asked to have her criminal record expunged. Her request was granted in December of 2021. She said, I want them to know that their grandmother stood up for something against the injustice in America. The laws will change, and a lot of people, not only myself, paid the price and made sacrifices. We're not where we're supposed to be, but don't take the freedom that we do have for granted. On May 8th of 2022, attorney Fred Gray received an honorary law degree from the University of Alabama. He is in his 90s and is still practicing law. The civil rights movement would be nowhere without the extraordinary, prolonged courage and efforts of women. And the words of Rosa Parks, we must live our lives as a model for others. Join me next time when we begin our discussion of J. Edgar Hoover's vendetta against Martin Luther King. Not only did he hate him, He blackmailed him. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. This podcast was written and researched by Sharon McMahon and Heather Jackson. It was produced by Heather Jackson edited and mixed by our audio producer, Jenny Snyder, and hosted by me, Sharon McMahon. I'll see you next time.